content provided by the people right here on 89.3 KEYK Osage Beach, Missouri. Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, February 18th. Good news for Missouri students. The Department of Natural Resources is hosting a poster contest for fifth graders with a grand prize of $300. The poster celebrates Drinking Water Week with a theme of There When You Need It, about water resources that are important but often taken advantage of. Contest entries must be postmarked or submitted electronically by April 1st, 2022. For more information, Call 573-526-1837 or visit dnr.mo.gov. Watch out for your dogs and keep your cats indoors because it's coyote breeding season. Breeding season for coyotes begins in February, which makes them more active this time of year. Coyotes have also been known on occasion to attack small dogs. To keep coyotes away, keep trash and pet food out of reach, make loud noises when you see a coyote, and be careful with your pets. The Lake Pub Crawl, a.k.a. the Mardi Gras Pub Crawl, is bringing four days of fun to Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. Starting this Friday, February 18th, and going through Monday, February 21st, the Mardi Gras party doesn't stop. This year will include four host parties at Dog Days, Encore, Tire Biters, and Foxy Roxies. However, transportation will not be included at this year's pub crawl, according to the Lake Area Chamber. So get out, be safe, and have fun at this year's Mardi Gras pub crawl. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. For more Lake Expo news, go to lakeexpo.com for events, boating, and the lake life. Lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Hockey play last night saw the Blues lose in Montreal. It was game two of their Canadian road trip. They've split the first two so far. They won at Ottawa earlier in the week, losing in Montreal last night. They'll be in Toronto tomorrow. The Blues, pretty good this year. Look like a surefire playoff team. College hoops, Mizzou Tigers back in action tonight on the road in SEC play. They take on Mississippi State. Tigers are 10-15. and 15. They lost at home to Arkansas earlier in the week. MSU Bears having a great season. They're already a 20-win team. They're 20-8. They don't play until Sunday when they're at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, one of the three teams fighting for the Valley uh, Conference lead along with the MSU Bears and Loyola Chicago. High school hoops, plenty of action on the way tonight. Versailles will be at home against Eldon tonight. That ought to be a good one. Osage on the road against 
Blair Oaks. Blair Oaks, one of the better teams in the state. Camdenton will be at home against West Plains tonight. No football this weekend. I know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be sad. Believe it or not, the odds makers have already come out and uh, listed the Chiefs and the Bills as the teams to beat next year. Uh, They give the Chiefs and the Bills the best odds to get to the Super Bowl next season already, believe it or not. Hey, KB's on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. And don't forget Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV's your hometown local TV station. Featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course the annual Lake of the Ozarks shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. The Artichoke Heart is about peeling back the layers and getting to the heart of what really matters in life, parenting, faith, and wellness. You will find purposeful parenting topics, inspirational family stories, homeschool tips, book and game reviews, recipe and wellness posts, and so much more. Our three hosts are Ruth Harris, Maggie Butterfield, and Gretchen Peters. They can't wait to connect with you and share their hearts. Listen to The Artichoke Heart Wednesdays and Sundays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. on Key Radio 89.3 FM. your thoughts, ideas, and skills, maybe even a talent, on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3 The Key. Well, here we are yet again at 8.07, another edition of the Daily Show for you on Key Radio. Thanks so much for making us part of your day. Right now, we are at uh, 13 wonderful degrees, and I hope you're someplace safe and warm. Wherever you are, tucked away, enjoying the Daily Show, and uh, plenty of ways to do that here on 89.3. 
Also, keyradio.live and, yes, our free apps for the Android and iPhone. All you have to do is uh, go to the place where you uh, get your apps and type in Key Radio, K-E-Y-K. It is absolutely free of charge, and you can take us with you wherever you would like to go. Great show for you this morning. We'll be uh, chatting here shortly with Bev Allen from the uh, organization Concerned Women for America of Missouri. We'll find out what's uh, new and exciting, and we'll also talk to Bob Lynch this hour from the Missouri Department of Transportation. Some folks saying, well, you know, there's only maybe 15 years left as far as the dam is concerned. Well, no, we're going to kind of get an explanation from Bob about what's going on there. Dave Boffin will join us in the 9 o'clock hour among the dogwoods. A brutal meeting for Dave, according to uh, his most recent blog, which I read last night. So you might want to uh, tune in for that. If you uh, don't get to make it to the meetings, well, I I apologize. But uh, Dave does his best to make sure and chronicle these uh, meetings and what's going on with uh, the Camden County Commission. He also uh, started here recently doing... Uh, the school board meetings for the uh, School of the Osage, so something else to check out. 8.09 is our time, and we are certainly glad to have her with us this morning. Again, uh, Bev Allen joining us with the uh, organization Concerned Women for America of Missouri, and she is on the horn with us right now. Good morning, Bev. How are you? Great, Katie. Real good. How about you? I am doing just Jim Dandy, nice and warm and tucked away here at my studio at home. So I didn't have to go far. I, I, that's the only problem with doing this, is that I can't really use the excuse that you know I can't get to work because uh, work work is about ten ten feet or so from where I sleep. So I just walk around the corner and boom, there you go. How are you this morning? Well, I am glad to be um, home and at the home office. And yes. you're right; it's um, you you can work anywhere anymore, um, but that's okay. I'd rather be iced in here. I, I don't know if I'm iced in or not, but. I'm glad to be here. They adjourned the day early, and so that gave me a day um, without, without having to be at the Capitol. So it was, it's a good deal. Very nice, very nice. Let's talk about what's going on uh, in Jefferson City at this particular point. Uh, we know that the congressional redistricting has been quite uh, the up-and-down issue for the men and women in our state legislature, and uh, they've kind of stalled out a couple of times. We we actually had the uh, opportunity to talk directly to uh, Senator Bill Eichel about that. Uh, it's been about a month or so ago that we uh, talked to the senator, and he was telling us that you know they had run into some snags and some, some other issues and problems, but uh, let's kind of get it from your point of view, your perspective this morning on this congressional redistricting. Well, it's... <clears throat> The way I'm seeing it, it's it's kind of turned into a little bit of a personality us against versus versus them. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, maybe I'm doing that wrong from what I'm seeing, though, because it seems like the conservative caucus has irritated the other Republicans to the point where they just um, are um, maybe fighting would be <laughs> not really fighting, but just digging digging in. Um, however, there is um, negotiating going on in the background. Um, I know that Senator Koenig is a very mellow individual, and he has been working very hard um, drawing up different maps um, to accommodate a strong 6-2 map, even a 6-1-1 map. Um, right. you know, the Senate voted down the, the first 7-1 map that they were given. However, you know, it kind of dawned on me yesterday that 
you know, I've been saying for weeks, well, shucks, if they would have, if the General Assembly would have sent a strong 7-1 map to the governor weeks ago, then we would know already from the courts if it was going to stand. Mm-hmm. And then it dawned on me, well, maybe that's why, because I think these, maybe the individuals that are saying it wouldn't stand know that it might, and then they would be stuck. Um, I don't know why they are not one. Well, I do know. It really comes down to kind of personality. Um, some of us, you know, want to go for everything we can and then be told we can't. Um, and others just want to do, you know, just don't want controversy, don't want to fight, you know, we'll settle for the information that they're given. So it's, it's kind of that way. Um, the other, you know, I'm, like I said, our side, or my side, or the pe- people I'm more, um, you know, go for everything. Um, we're not right. We're just, we have that kind of personality. And, and those others that don't want controversy, they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not right um, because that's just their personality. So I think um, the dynamics of personalities and the information said different personalities um, is what fuels the um, uh, the interaction here. So I don't know. So it's not, you know, but thankfully uh, I had more than one senator tell me that the interaction of these citizens um, coming to the Capitol and emailing, and they still are, thankfully, they're still receiving emails and phone calls about this map. They haven't given up. It's, it's really a new day at the Capitol right. because in years past we've had, issues where the people have risen up and taken action and then gone away. But this time they're staying engaged and um, there will be some sort of settlement. I, I, I really feel confident. And so we'll see. We'll see. But it was interesting because, you know, um, the Senate, rightly so, uh, said, well, we can't go on to other important things. And the people want us to deal with CRT and women's sports and other things. Um you know, the budget is, is coming, the regular budget, they dealt with the supplemental budget. So they said, well, we can't do these other things. So they have gone to some other bills. And the other evening, they were um, debating or perfecting the, oh, gosh. Um, Whoops. <laughs> fast track, fast track. Right. <laughs> fast track. It was, and fast track was being slowed down. The scholarship program was being slowed down because the, the um, conservative caucus, members of the conservative caucus, were offering amendments um, regarding um, that any school that was uh, allowing illegal immigrants to be enrolled would not get this money. Are any schools that allowed biological males to participate in female sports would not be eligible to apply for this money? Are any school that um, taught the um, principles of CRT, I just call that that simply, um, would not be eligible for this money. And, you know, we all know that um, we would love single-subject bills because they're simple and they can, you know, up and down, but that doesn't happen. And um, many times the way to get other bills through is getting them as amendments on bills that are going through, especially a bill like this, which, every, you know, everybody wants this federal money and, and, and it's more money for the for uh, the schools. So we want that to pass. Well, they want that to pass. So they they put amendments on it that um, need to go through as well. But they were voted down, you know, pretty much down the line. The mm-hmm. Conservative Caucus voting um, for these and the um, other Republicans saying no. Um, and they had the reasons for it. But anyway, so it's just been an interesting week of dynamics. But I do want to bless the people. Uh, they c- came out the third week in a row 
a couple hundred of them at the Capitol, between, I don't know, 150. It was hard. They weren't sitting down. There were a lot of empty chairs that they would have sat down in the chairs. We would have had all the chairs filled. So we're guessing between 150 and 200 that came out on, on Tuesday um, for the um, for the uh, rally. And then they sat in the gallery after that. So they keep on coming back, and um, it's it's been fun. It's been a blessing to, to see the people of Missouri give up their time and energy and um, come to the Capitol to, to be heard. Right. Let's talk a little. <clears throat> excuse me a little bit about the election bill and uh, and the Born Alive Infant Act as well. It, uh, those are some issues that are uh, uh, being addressed in Jefferson City. Oh, that's another sad thing, Katie. I, you know, election integrity is top of the list of right. everybody's list this year. It seems like, and um, you know, Consumer for America. That's on our, our national and our state. Um, list as far as things that we're working on, and we've had people who've been interested in election integrity for years and years, and then we have a lot of new people because of the 2020 election. So combined, um, what we're, our goal, many of us who are concerned about um, keeping Missouri and making sure it doesn't, um, isn't open to fraud, want to go towards, you know, election day, you know, it seems like now we have election season, not so much in, well, we, you know, with mail-in ballots last, last time, but we don't have them this time it expired. But many states across the country, they have election season with early voting. So we're wanting to, to get it to, um, you know, that election day, in person, at your polling place, and um, um, with photo ID, and hand-marked paper ballots. Our ultimate goal is to get away from all technology. You think, oh, that's impossible, but they do that in Europe, and we did that too many years ago. But anyway, so we're wanting, that's our goal. We, you know, if we get hand-marked paper ballots and photo ID this year across the line, I'll be happy, because that's, that's towards the goal. However, the bill that was being considered in the House Elections um, Committee this week had, had hand-marked paper ballots and photo ID, but had other things in there that were terrible. And we had to, I had to testify against that bill because House Bill 2113 and 2140 included, um, well, for, for one thing, it stood out like a sore thumb, was um, no excuse absentee voting. Now, it's interesting because for years I thought, well, I, I, I'm for that because I vote absentee a lot because I'm out of the county um, right. most of the time, mm-hmm. most of the election days, so I vote absentee. So I thought, well, you know, you know, um, it would be nice. You can just go in there and vote. And then um, I got some counsel saying, well, no, this is just one step towards, um, you know, early voting. And so when I saw that, I said, okay, you're right. We, we need to stick with those, those, excuse, those reasons to, to vote absentee. And so this year, they were um, adding three weeks before the election that you could go into the election authority and cast a vote in person with an ID. Now, that doesn't sound bad, you know, because it's in person with an ID. And, but again, that's one step closer to early voting, and it's taking us away from our goal. The other thing that they had about absentee um, voting was... Um, they were, they were adding a new class, and, and we all love our first responders and our health care workers sure. and the members of the, of the law enforcement, but they were adding that as a, a group that could vote absentee. You know, mm-hmm. we have seven um, reasons that were adding that as an eighth, or we have six reasons adding as seven, I forgot. But, and I had to testify, I said, you know, this is adding a special class. I'm not even sure it's constitutional because, you know, the voting 
um, laws are very, um, very tight in, in um, you know, trying to prevent any discrimination. Well, this is kind of discrimination in reverse. You're elevating a group of people to a special protected class, and so we're starting on the wrong road because years ago with the Non-Discrimination Act, we added a few entities, and now we've added over the years more and more people. So that was another um, problem with that. And I hated, you know, I hated to mention uh, we, we don't want them to have the special um, privilege of voting absentee with, with no excuse just because of who they are or I mean, what they do. But um, and another one they had, um, right now, you know, we have deadlines. You have to register to vote four weeks before the election, and you have to change your address. Um, for that same deadline, and so if you've changed, if you've moved since you voted last, you have to change your address to be able to vote in the next election in that new precinct. Well, it's been like that for years, and for as long as I can remember, because I've been doing voter registrations, and so many times I pitch it to the pastors if we're wanting to hold a voter registration effort in their church that it's a service because in all the years I've been doing this, I have I have um, registered some you know many new voters just turning eighteen or just just voting for the first time, but most of the time it's changing the addresses because people see the table and they go, oh, yeah, I've moved, I, you know, so it's a service, it's really a service, and um, so, but if a person hadn't met that deadline, hadn't changed their address, they can go to some special trouble and contact the election authority on election day, and they let them vote with a provisional ballot. Well, they're wanting to change that. They're wanting to strike, and it's called an interstate new resident policy, to where that person can vote in a new precinct, but mm-hmm. they vote on the federal and the statewide, not the local stuff. And that makes sense, because if you're new to that area, then you, you would know the federal stuff, or, or you should know the federal stuff, you should know the statewide stuff, but you may not know the local stuff. So Probably, yes. here, here's your opportunity to vote. Well, they're changing that to where you can change your address on Election Day and vote everything. And I said, you know, that's, that's you know, the government is a bad parent. It reminds me of parents that go to the, to go to the school teacher and say, hey, you, you dinged my, my, my Johnny because he turned in his work late. And that's wrong. I want you to, you know, you know, no, we have rules. We have to set an example. There's rules and deadlines, and, and we need to, those rules and deadlines are there for a purpose so mm-hmm. that the election authority can get all that stuff done before Election Day and have a, a less stress, uh, have a stress-free or um, less stress on Election Day. And why they're doing this, it makes no sense. We have already addressed these issues. They've been working fine. Why are we wanting to to um, ease up on them? And then they were authorizing um, satellite stations. And again, like municipalities like St. Louis, they do have four, they set up um, four um, stations where people can come in and vote absentee before right. you know. And um, but this was there was they were pretty they were codifying it, and there were were no rules or guidelines by which and you're setting up the chain of custody is really difficult when you have different locations voting before election and um so anyway so we we mentioned that because there there should be at least some rules and guidelines because most of the rural counties won't be needing to do that but they could if this was in place and they really need some rules so it's just really sad, and there were some other things in there as well, you know, as far as um, election judges, some rules they wanted to change there and make it 
easier and less less um, um, vetting going on. And anyway, so so it's sad to say that we have Republicans sponsoring these bills, making it easier. We know we, we should it should be easy to vote but hard to cheat. But it's <laughs> sure, the yeah. value. The value of the vote, you know, all this diminishes the value of the vote. It's like, if you really treasure your vote, there's an absentee process. If you really treasure your vote, you make sure you're, you've changed your address before the deadline. And when you just, oh my gosh, it's election day, you got to let me vote. You know, I, I didn't follow the rules, but by golly, you got to let me vote. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, right. You know, that's just wrong. So anyway, so that's that's been a, a very interesting and kind of a discouraging development to see that they're wanting to um, lessen the rules rather than tightening them up. Yeah, that's always been, uh, and, and I think more and more, certainly in the last, uh, I don't know how many of our elections you want to look back on, um, but that's definitely the case where it's it's okay to uh, make a mistake. We need more wiggle room. We need more people voting. But uh, these people that yeah. are that are doing the voting aren't necessarily uh, eligible to vote uh, for one reason or another, and that's certainly uh, right. That's certainly every, a shame. Yeah, every time a person, mm-hmm. it it should you know, uh, voting should be looked at as as kind of like a privilege. You know, I, I think if you follow the rules and you do things the way you're supposed to do them, then yes, voting is 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 acceptable. But uh, as we kind of get into things and get into it deeper, certainly uh, people on the left are all about uh, relaxing the voting rules and just making sure people show up at the polls and vote one way or the other. 825 is our time. Our guest is Bev Allen. She is with the Concerned Women for America of Missouri. And, um, my gosh, you have got a list of events here. Janet Dabbs keeps me posted on everything that you are doing, Bev, and uh, you have got so many events coming up. Um, you've got one here on uh, Tuesday uh, February the 22nd, this coming Tuesday, the Missouri General, uh, General Assembly Pledge, the platform. Uh, you've got another event coming up on um, March the 8th, Missouri Right to Life, Show Me Life, Pro-Life Action Day. Um, you've got events coming up in March as far as uh, speakers and various other things that are going to be happening. I don't know if you want to jump in. We've got about uh, three and a half, four minutes left here. Uh, before the bottom of the hour, I don't know uh, what direction you want to go or exactly uh, what events you, you, you kind of want to uh, center on here as far as uh, with the time we have left. Yeah, I guess um, I, my suggestion would be for the listener to go to our Facebook page, Concerned Women for America of Missouri, and go to the events um, and see what's going on. Because one of the main things we're we're um, supporting um, supporting entity to the MRA platform, Pledge Platform Rally on Tuesday, and then same as for the um, Pro-Life Action Day on March 8th at the Capitol. And the Missouri, Missouri Right to Life sponsors that, and, and many of us, um, other organizations that are pro-life, um, pitch in and are there to support it and to, um, to help um, show our organization as well. But the event coming up with Dr. Um, Douglas Frank, right. he's the physicist who you know, came up with the, all the mathematical equations um, regarding the election of 2020. Well, he does that regularly, but the, the big thing here is the 2020 election and the discrepancies we've seen. Um, he's coming in March 3rd and will stay right now through uh, March 6th. There might mm-hmm. be a seventh one added, but um, the closest 
we get to the lake area is probably Columbia on Sunday afternoon. We're going to be in Lake St. Louis, Ellisville, Springfield, Independence, Columbia, and then back in St. Louis. Um, but what the important thing about Dr. Frank's uh, presentation is it pretty much shows that there was some hanky-panky going on. And even in Missouri, the algorithms um, looked a little bit strange. So we're using the ad to you know, make awareness of how, it, it, how easy, well, I shouldn't say how easy, but how the technology part, part of our election process now is really um, subject to hanky-panky, if you will. And we're wanting to use that to build up our forces that right. will be with us on the election, you know, on tightening up the election to go forward and make sure we have better and tighter elections rather than um, more opportunities for, for fraud. So we're um, looking forward to having him make his presentation. And then, of course, our state conference. And, of course, <laughs> and I'm sure there'll probably be another rally or two at the state <laughs> capitol regarding... Right. Um, Seven one. I don't know. We we seem to have a weekly rally, but for, so next week, you know, Tuesday will be the weekly rally, I guess. But that was already planned. So, well, I guess uh, With, um, you know, we are hoping to have. Uh, Dr. Frank on uh, with us on Monday uh, in the eight o'clock hour, oh, so great. we can uh, That's right. get into uh, more uh, of an in-depth discussion with him about uh, in election integrity and uh, what he sees and uh, and how he views all of this. But uh, certainly, again, we want to give out the information if folks are interested in finding out more about the organization, and certainly uh, if they'd like to keep up with all the fun things that you've got going on. I mean, uh, lots of dates, lots of rallies. And uh, they can go where to get all this information, Bev? It's just the Concerned Women for America of Missouri Facebook. And then we have our web pages, mo.cwfa.org. All right. um, Because we have um, other small prayer action chapters around the state, and those are also on the event page. So um, people listening from other areas of of the state might um, have something going on near them that we haven't talked about. Well, I certainly, as always, appreciate your time and look forward to talking with you again here in uh, about two weeks. But uh, until that time, be safe, stay warm, and uh, thank you for all you're doing to uh, keep Missourians on track with what's going on in our state and uh, the issues that uh, are of importance and uh, the fact that you're addressing those issues. And I, I, I've got to just say, you, you mentioned this uh, during your discussion about Single ballot issues, not a, a, a particular issue that's got uh, the main issue out there and three or four or more things attached to it. Um, I, th- I think that's very important, and uh, I hope that that's something that our legislators try to work toward, but who knows at this point. Bev Allen with the uh, Concerned yeah. Women uh, for America of Missouri, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, KB, and thank you, Missouri. Absolutely. Always happy. Always happy to talk with Bev Allen. It is 831, and uh, we are going to take this opportunity to uh, jump in and bring you some uh, some local information. And then we've got Bob Lynch uh, waiting to uh, tell you more about what's going on with roads, bridges, infrastructure, and the Missouri Department of Transportation. It's all coming up here on The Daily Show on Key Radio.
I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, February 18th. Good news for Missouri students. The Department of Natural Resources is hosting a poster contest for fifth graders with a grand prize of $300. The poster celebrates Drinking Water Week with a theme of There When You Need It, about water resources that are important but often taken advantage of. Contest entries must be postmarked or submitted electronically by April 1st, 2022. For more information, call 573-526-1837 or visit dnr.mo.gov. Watch out for your dogs and keep your cats indoors because it's coyote breeding season. Breeding season for coyotes begins in February, which makes them more active this time of year. Coyotes have also been known on occasion to attack small dogs. To keep coyotes away, keep trash and pet food out of reach, make loud noises when you see a coyote, and be careful with your pets. The Lake Pub Crawl, a.k.a. the Mardi Gras Pub Crawl, is bringing four days of fun to Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. Starting this Friday, February 18th, and going through Monday, February 21st, the Mardi Gras party doesn't stop. This year will include four host parties at Dog Days, Encore, Tire Biters, and Foxy Roxies. However, transportation will not be included at this year's pub crawl, according to the Lake Area Chamber. So get out, be safe, and have fun at this year's Mardi Gras pub crawl. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. For more Lake Expo news, go to lakeexpo.com for events, boating, and the lake life. Lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key and Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and bobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key and Lock serving the entire lake area. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Hockey play last night saw the Blues lose in Montreal. It was game two of their Canadian road trip. They've split the first two so far. They won at Ottawa earlier in the week, losing in Montreal last night. They'll be in Toronto tomorrow. The Blues, pretty good this year. Look like a surefire playoff team. College hoops, Mizzou Tigers back in action tonight on the road in SEC play. They take on Mississippi State. Tigers are 10 and 15. They lost at home to Arkansas earlier in the week. MSU Bears having a great season. They're already a 20 win team. They're 20 and 8. They don't play until Sunday when they're at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, one of the three teams fighting for the Valley uh, Conference lead along with the MSU Bears and Loyola Chicago. High school hoops, plenty of action on the way tonight. Versailles will be at home against Eldon tonight. That ought to be a good one. Osage on the road against Blair Oaks. Blair Oaks, one of the better teams in the state. Camdenton will be at home against West Plains tonight. No football this weekend. I know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be sad. Believe it or not, the odds makers have already come out and uh, 
listed the Chiefs and the Bills as the teams to beat next year. Uh, They give the Chiefs and the Bills the best odds to get to the Super Bowl next season already, believe it or not. Hey, KB's on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. And don't forget Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Our underwriters are who makes the programming possible on Key Radio. And thank you to Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about the history of Victoria Station and how you might have to just use your nose with some of the unique products they offer at Victoria Station. Victoria Station has been around for 37 years now. We're a family-owned business. We've been in our location for 27. We're veteran-owned, family-run. We carry lots of different product categories from greeting cards to home fragrances Uh, lamps, potpourri, there are certain products that you have to smell. Those home fragrance things, the candles, the potpourri lines, the fragrance oils, that yeah, you need to smell it to see if that's what you want your own home to smell like. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit. And the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 930 to 530. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress, and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos. Know how to create a healthy media diet for your family and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio, 89.3 FM. This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. Here we are right back uh, on The Daily Show at 8.37. Thank you so much for joining us. Still to come uh, in the 9 o'clock hour, we'll be talking things over with Dave Bopman, the author of the blog, Among the Dogwoods. So... What are we uh, going to be looking at weather-wise uh, for the next couple of days? bit of a warm-up on the way. Looks like we'll get up to a high today of about 44. Plenty of sunshine, low tonight of 25. And then we look ahead, uh, 43 for the high tomorrow. Again, more sunshine and a low of 34. Sunday's high of 63, a low of 43. Monday, we're looking at a high of about 69 degrees and a low of 50. 53, the expected high on Tuesday. Then we'll kind of get back into the winter weather mode. And I don't know if Bob Lynch is listening or not, but it looks like uh, we'll see some possibly rain on Tuesday. And then uh, Wednesday, some uh, snow possible. Doesn't uh, really talk a whole lot about the extended forecast. Uh, At this point, they're predicting on Wednesday uh, about one to three inches of snow. Yeah, so you might want to keep that in mind. If you didn't get yourselves well taken care of for uh, this last round of winter weather, you may want to do that when things warm up. Again, looking for the possibility of snow uh, on uh, Thursday as well. And then Friday, partly cloudy, a high of 30 and a low of 9 above. So we're really kind of getting entrenched more 
in the temperatures that we expect around this time of year and certainly looking at uh, the type of weather conditions as well that we would receive around this uh, part of the year as well. Uh, 17 degrees now um, and mostly clear here in Camdenton Mo. As we head out to uh, check on uh, what's going on with uh, Bagnell Dam, uh, 656.33, the current lake level, and uh, the river level at 566.78. want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in this morning and letting you know that we are ready to uh, talk to our good friend, Mr. Bob Lynch, from the Missouri Department of Transportation and talk uh, a little roads and infrastructure. If you've got a question or a comment for Bob, feel free to call at 573-633-5395, 573 573- Six three three fifty three ninety five. Bob, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, KB. Doing well, thanks. Well, we're glad to have you back with us. Uh, I wanted to uh, do maybe a little bit of a, a comparison, if we could, between the uh, snow uh, event that we had about a week ago and then uh, what we're dealing with now. What, uh, as far as the uh, folks that were out there battling the elements, what uh, what are some of the differences between the two? Obviously, I think we had a little bit more ice this time than we had uh, with the last round of winter weather that moved through. But what uh, what are we looking at and what are we talking about in terms of are there any similarities? Are there any differences in the, uh, uh, the types of storms that uh, we've dealt with uh, uh, the last couple of times here? Well, let's start with uh, the beginning of the storm and... Uh, both of them uh, were preceded by rain, right. and so that makes it a challenge for us to apply any uh, chemical salt uh, beforehand. So that was similar. Uh, the main difference, you know, probably locally here at the lake was uh, we have more sleet with this event and ice potentially. Uh, the other one, uh, you know, quickly turned over to mostly snow, right. and you know we had more inches of snow. So. This one, uh, you know, the, with the sleet, and specific, I'm looking at more around where I live, as what we had here was more sleet. Um, <clears throat> you know, that, that is something we can plow, uh, but probably at first we'll try to, once that transition occurs, start getting that salt down to help us uh, with the sleet conditions, and then, you know, plow off what we can uh, as that event continues. So, um also, the other thing is, is uh, we want to get that first uh, salt treatment down on our secondary roads too. Uh, after that transition, and um, you know that's that's a similarity. We want to because we're not going to go to those roads for a while. We're going to be focused on the main routes, right. and so you want to get that uh, treatment down uh, when you can. That uh, will be there until you come back later on after you start clearing up the major routes. So um, the other things would be. You know, if it requires uh, tire chains on our trucks, you know, with a ice storm or a sleet storm, we may have to take time to put uh, those chains on. And um, those are conditions that the drivers, you know, may experience, and they'll they'll make that decision based on what they're seeing. Um, but uh, you know, this, based on what I listened to as far as the uh, statewide reports. We didn't have too many issues with the truck sliding off. Uh, that happened a little more at the last storm, mm-hmm. and um, which is good. Uh, of course, we don't want uh, anyone having issues out there along the roadways, especially the workforce. And uh, so, 
you know, somewhat similar, and yet it's not. Uh, you know, we didn't have the seven to eight inches of snow that we had the first first time, which was definitely more of a plowable event. Right. And uh, uh, but the cold temperatures, you know, they come right back in, similar to the last storm, right after the storm, and that's a challenge with those uh, with the salt and chemicals working into the evening, and that's probably why we're seeing when we wake up today still uh, roads that are that are covered in some areas. I guess it was the main concern is the refreezing. Uh, that was uh, something that uh, a lot of people were talking about on social media and things like that. It wasn't so much the fact that we got the snow and the ice. And it seemed like uh, most of the road crews uh, on all levels, uh, city, uh, city, county, and state, did a good job working uh, collectively to uh, clear the roadways. But the concern is, you know, with the temperature where it is now 17 degrees, obviously, there was some melting yesterday. I actually drove through a, a puddle of, uh, of of melted uh, snow and ice, uh, but the the fact that it's uh, going to refreeze and certainly on the bridges and overpasses, places where uh, that uh, wind gets underneath and causes the the refreeze to happen probably a lot quicker. So uh, that's more or less, I guess, what uh, uh, the road crews are addressing and dealing with today. It is, you know, you look at the conditions on a travel information map, and we certainly encourage people to. To use that to plan their trips accordingly, but you know I-44 corridor is in pretty good shape right now. Uh, you know, mostly mostly clear to partly uh, covered conditions as you travel I-44 from southwest Missouri up towards St. Louis. But right. then you look at I-70, and majority of that is still covered, and uh, it's because they you know they had more uh, winter precipitation to deal with. Uh-huh. And we're in the middle of all that, so those conditions change as you head uh, north from I-44 towards towards I-70. Um, the uh, the other thing you're, you know you're talking about the concern with refreeze, and one thing we try to do while we have daylight hours, and then the sun came out for a little bit yesterday, is try to get that uh, whatever precipitation is on the ground, try to get it, you know, maybe into a wet condition that you you said you saw. And then hopefully the traffic can dry that up before those cold temperatures and the sun goes down, right. cause it to refreeze. And that's always a challenge um, because some locations you you may get that to where the pavement does dry up and uh, you don't have any issues there. But then you drive another mile and all of a sudden you're back on a um, you know a roadway that that is covered, mm-hmm. and and so it creates a challenge because the driver experiences different conditions along you know, along the same route in a pretty short distance. So uh, that's why we put those alerts out, to be worried about that refreeze. Right. Well, I think, uh, again, um, and and I was reading on the uh, uh, Missouri Department of Transportation Facebook page that, you know, you were encouraging folks, if you don't have to be out there, just stay put and let the road crews get out there and do what they need to do. And uh, I'm hoping, and it uh, certainly sounds like, yet again, that uh, drivers in the state of Missouri were kind of respecting and uh, keep, keeping in mind that, uh, you know, the, the folks are out there trying to do the job to get the roads cleared, and it makes it much easier when there are less people out on the roadways uh, to have to deal with. Something that I wanted to uh, talk to you about here this morning, we were talking, uh, and we have talked considerably about the bridge work going on uh, over uh, over Bagnell Dam, and there was an article that came out, and I think it really kind of freaked people out because I've, I've heard people talk about this and say, 
well, we've only got uh, uh, maybe about 15 years left with Bagnell Dam. Well, no, that's that's not the case. It's uh, it's not the dam, but maybe the bridge over the top of of Bagnell Dam. Because you guys have been working at a fever pitch trying to get that done, using every opportunity with uh, the nice weather that we've had to get as much of that uh, completed as quickly as possible. And I know it uh, was supposed to be something that you had hoped to have completed in the month of December, but unfortunately, after uh, getting into the project, you realized that there was uh, obviously a lot more to it. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the, the the amount of time that you feel is left with the bridge. Um, you know, what would we have to do, uh, I guess, if at some point it would have to be closed or, uh, you know, you, you can't go over the, the, the dam anymore just because of the condition of the roadway. So obviously there were some things that you folks found when you started uh, getting into it. You were just hoping to be able to uh, to replace uh, the surface and, and, and some of the, uh, uh, I guess, the walkway and, and things along those lines just to try and make it look nice. But uh, obviously you found some things when you started uh, getting into that that uh, are are of a concern as far as the future of that bridge? Well, I'm going to back up even to our original public uh, meeting that we had. It was held virtually, and, and you know, not a lot of people attended that, of course, and mm. uh, unfortunately. But during those discussions, you know, our main goal is to try to provide another 15 to 20 years of service uh, for that bridge. Right. It's, it's, 90, it's 90 years old. So you're looking at it being, uh, you know, 105 to 110 years old, and uh, I think we all realize that uh, structures that of that age just simply can't be around forever. So um, it was the message from the beginning that we're trying to extend the life of the bridge another 15 to 20 years. You know, it's a rehabilitation project to to get rid of that poor concrete that's there and, uh, you know, open it back up. The additional deterioration we found after we started the work um, created a situation where we realized that now we need to put a load limit on on the bridge and just to ensure that we get that 15 to 20 years again. That's mm-hmm. what the goal of the project is, is to address the concerns across the, the bridge, the bridge deck, to ensure that we get that 15 to 20 years of life out of the bridge. And, um that's how it was written even in the, the news article. Uh, it said it was not, had nothing to do with the dam, and it doesn't. Uh, the bridge is a separate structure. It is attached to the dam, but it does not uh, interfere with the, the abilities of the dam and how and the shape that it's in right. um, you know, from that standpoint. So, um, yeah, there's some con- confusion there. I understand that. And that. That was a discussion we always had with Hammer, is trying to make sure everybody understood that the bridge is, is separate from the actual dam and not to try to confuse the two. But, um, no, we'll be okay, and hopefully, you know, we'll do better than 15 to 20 years. You know, we're, we don't know for a fact that it, it'll it uh, be limited to that, and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get more life out of it. Well, again, um, I know in seeing the story, some people misinterpreted that. They said, well, looks like uh, we're, we're not, we're not going to have the dam after about 15 or 20 years. Well, they just recently, uh, here within the last couple of years, completed the stabilization project on the dam. We talked with uh, Warren Witt, who's the uh, 
one of the engineers there. But uh, the the dam itself is fine. It's the uh, surface, the bridge that goes over the top of the dam uh, that we're we're talking about here. Uh, and you mentioned uh, having to put a load limit in place. Um, what is that load limit going to be? You think uh, at, at this point? Uh, we got it set to be eighteen tons. Right. And our bridge engineers, uh, you know, once we discovered we had some additional deterioration, uh, they came out and reevaluated it, and that's what they felt uh, would provide insurance that uh, you know we get that. Uh, 15 to 20 years of additional life. So right. uh, you'll see those signs go up, uh, you know, obviously prior to us opening up the dam again. And um, so it'll limit, obviously, several of the large semi-tractor trailers and right. other trucks that are loaded greater than 18 tons and shouldn't interfere with school buses, uh, you know, smaller vehicles like that. Uh, but the heavy, you know, concrete trucks, the uh, loaded dump trucks and the semi-tractor trailers should uh, be limited from going across that surface. Yes, and, and, and that, I guess that'll change things a little bit for some folks, but it uh, it really shouldn't be uh, a huge issue. Once, uh, is there any talk, is there anything being discussed right now as far as uh, what to do in the future? Are you just going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach on, on how things work out, uh, or is there any real... Uh, work or talk or anything that's uh, being looked at for for the future when we get down to that uh, 15 to 20 year uh, time limit? No, there's no specifics being discussed uh, at this time, and it's too early for that. Other than, uh, you know, we statewide, MoDOT has several major bridges, and this, is, this falls under that classification. And... Um, you know, if you have a hundred bridges, major bridges like this, you know, you almost have to replace one every year because they they last about a hundred years. Uh-huh. And so we do schedule this. We will schedule this bridge to be um, out in that fifteen twenty year time frame. Just kind of have it uh, sitting there, recognizing that we may have to do something at that point. Mm-hmm. And as we get, you know, ten years down the road, maybe twelve. Uh, years down the road, then we'll start realizing really where this bridge is going to fall from a schedule standpoint and and just make sure we're aware of it and plan for the dollars associated with the new bridge. Um, sure. A crossing like this, you compare it to, uh, I compare it to the Hurricane Deck Bridge, I mean, it's, it's a different situation, of course, but uh-huh. a Hurricane Deck Bridge costs $30 million, and that was, you know, a few years ago. So, um, you're probably looking at a 30 to $50 million structure when it does come to that time when we have to replace it. Uh-huh. And um, wow. so we just, we have that number out in the, in the back of our mind and, and kind of schedule it uh, with all the other major bridges we have across the state and um, plan accordingly. 854, our guest is Bob Lynch from the Missouri Department of Transportation. And, uh, of course, as always, if you have any questions or comments, 573-633-5395. I, um, I often wonder sometimes, you know, uh, how that is addressed, how the Missouri Department of Transportation, Bob, looks at the longevity of, of bridges and, and roadways and things along those lines. And, you know, it, it's I think most people, when we talk about uh, infrastructure, look at it from the here and now. We don't necessarily look at it. 
uh, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And that's something that you folks have have obviously got to do because if there is a uh, a major project that uh, uh, you folks are going to have to implement at some particular point, you obviously have to start uh, planning. And on top of that, you have to uh, start, you know, kind of... making sure that you've got the cash and things like that available for these projects when they occur and, and when they happen. And uh, is there, I, I don't know if there's a division of, of the Missouri Department of Transportation or, or, or how this is looked at or how it works that uh, really does look down the road at various uh, projects uh, that we know are coming, but uh, you know, there's maybe still 10, 15, 20 years out and being able to fund the project and then, of course, being able to take some time to uh, plan for this project as well and get all your ducks in a row so that uh, when it does come time to actually uh, take care of an issue that uh, you folks are all over it. Well, no, we do. We have a financial services uh, division that uh, each year updates our uh, financial forecasts, you know, five years into the future, and that that's designed to help create our statewide transportation improvement program um which is how we you know build projects across the state Mm -hmm. Uh, but we look further than that Uh, our planning department uh, helps us uh, determine an asset management plan which is basically designed to take care of what we have and that's what the citizens of missouri have told us is your first priority needs to be take care of what you have which makes sense and so we use that 10-year outlook to uh, establish a plan to not only maintain the roadways in a certain condition, um, but also the bridges. They're both uh, equal players in the transportation side of things. We want to make sure that we have those available for people to utilize. So we know, uh, obviously, when the structures were built. We inspect them every two years. Uh, And then if, if the condition worsens, we'll start inspecting them every year. And our engineers realize, uh, you know, the rate of decline in those bridges, and and they schedule that we want to get maximum use out of the life of the bridge. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, we also know when to schedule uh, what type of repairs need to be done. And so all that's plugged into our asset management plan that looks 10 years out into the future and establishes, uh, you know, when things will happen and, and really guides our financial services department to make sure that the money is there uh, when that time comes to to do whatever, either take care of the roadway or a bridge, so it's all set up and uh, works well, and that's what the citizens of Missouri want us to do: is take care of what we have, and that's our first priority. Right, Amy, uh, and I guess uh, too, um, we're hearing more about uh, this uh, this project that uh, they're looking at there at I seventy and uh, fifty four. Uh, for the Kingdom City exit, when uh, folks get off there to come down to the Lake of the Ozarks, uh, is this is this something that uh, is obviously going to be? It's being addressed. It's being talked about, and there are, I guess, some plans in the works. Um, uh, when do you think you might uh, start uh, seeing some some construction going on uh, for that particular project? Well, it's going to be a few more years. You know, it's probably going to be in 2025 or 2026. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're looking to propose to bring it into the STIP uh, this next cycle. And uh, we currently have a consultant on board to evaluate the different alternatives that are possible to help 
um, you know, traffic move uh, better through there mm-hmm. to also uh, allow local needs at the same time. And so right now what we've done is we've uh, uh, released uh, information about a preferred alternative that the uh, design team has come up with and it utilizes a diverging diamond interchange at that location. And we've started building these uh, across the state last uh, several years, and they're very successful. And um, so we have uh, people have until February 28th to provide their comments on what they're seeing, and uh, we believe it's going to you know, take care of the needs of getting people through the area much quicker than what we currently have and also uh, allowing access to the local businesses in the area. And that's the important part. Those those folks up there in Kingdom City, uh, that's their bread and butter with the uh, folks coming through, heading to the lake, and the various trucks and things that uh, stop off there uh, for fuel or food or whatever else that they need. Bob Lynch from the Missouri Department of Transportation, we appreciate your time, sir. And uh, I believe next week is uh, next week will be your off week, right? Yeah, Tim should be on, and uh, you can certainly ask him specific questions about these storms uh, and I, I texted him and he said it looks like april is when we'll finally get out of this uh, winter weather so hopefully he's wrong on that but, uh, <laughs> no um he'll, he'll probably be with you next week unless there's winter weather interfering with that but we'll keep you updated very good bob and we'll make sure that uh, we look forward to seeing tim but uh, thank you for your efforts sir and uh Get back to work now. Now you've been dilly dallying for the last twenty minutes, half hour, and, and and I and I guess you probably have some work that you got to get done. <laughs> no, you help me all the time. You keep me on my toes, so I appreciate uh, the conversations, KB. Thank you very much, Bob Lynch from the Missouri Department of Transportation. We appreciate uh, Bob's input, and uh, folks, again, uh, a lot of different ways that you can uh, see what's happening with the uh, Missouri Department of Transportation. Go to their website, and uh, we'll. Uh, make sure to uh, let you know that uh, they join us each and every Friday here at uh, 840 on uh, Key Radio and The Daily Show. Speaking of uh, The Daily Show, we've got uh, another hour of it coming your way. And that is, of course, an hour that we'll dedicate to talking with Dave Moppin. And among the dogwoods, we'll get the most recent update on the Camden County Commission meeting. And we will uh, take some time now to provide you with some information as far as uh, local news and some sports. Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source at the lake. And uh, Chris Schneider with Lake TV, providing us with sports on the key. Content provided by the people, right here on 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, February 18th. Good news for Missouri students. The Department of Natural Resources is hosting a poster contest for fifth graders with a grand prize of $300. The poster celebrates Drinking Water Week with a theme of There When You Need It, about water resources that are important but often taken advantage of. Contest entries must be postmarked or submitted electronically by April 1st, 2022. For more information, information, call 573-526-1837 or visit dnr.mo.gov. 
Watch out for your dogs and keep your cats indoors because it's coyote breeding season. Breeding season for coyotes begins in February, which makes them more active this time of year. Coyotes have also been known on occasion to attack small dogs. To keep coyotes away, keep trash and pet food out of reach, make loud noises when you see a coyote, and be careful with your pets. The Lake Pub Crawl, a.k.a. the Mardi Gras Pub Crawl, is bringing four days of fun to Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. Starting this Friday, February 18th, and going through Monday, February 21st, the Mardi Gras party doesn't stop. This year will include four host parties at Dog Days, Encore, Tire Biters, and Foxy Roxies. However, transportation will not be included at this year's pub crawl, according to the Lake Area Chamber. So get out, be safe, and have fun at this year's Mardi Gras Pub Crawl. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. For more Lake Expo news, go to lakeexpo.com for events, boating, and the lake life. lakeexpo.com Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Hockey play last night saw the Blues lose in Montreal. It was game two of their Canadian road trip. They've split the first two so far. They won at Ottawa earlier in the week, losing in Montreal last night. They'll be in Toronto tomorrow. The Blues, pretty good this year. Look like a surefire playoff team. College hoops, Mizzou Tigers back in action tonight on the road in SEC play. They take on Mississippi State. Tigers are 10-15. and 15. They lost at home to Arkansas earlier in the week. MSU Bears having a great season. They're already a 20-win team. They're 20-8. They don't play until Sunday when they're at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, one of the three teams fighting for the Valley uh, Conference lead along with the MSU Bears and Loyola Chicago. High school hoops, plenty of action on the way tonight. Versailles will be at home against Eldon tonight. That ought to be a good one. Osage on the road against Blair Oaks. Blair Oaks, one of the better teams in the state. Camdenton will be at home against West Plains tonight. No football this weekend. I know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be sad. Believe it or not, the odds makers have already come out and uh, listed the Chiefs and the Bills as the teams to beat next year. Uh, They give the Chiefs and the Bills the best odds to get to the Super Bowl next season already, believe it or not. Hey, KB's on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. And don't forget Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90. Free on Roku and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station. 
featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course, the annual Lake of the Ozark shootout, Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. The Artichoke Heart is about peeling back the layers and getting to the heart of what really matters in life, parenting, faith, and wellness. You will find purposeful parenting topics, inspirational family stories, homeschool tips, book and game reviews, recipe and wellness posts, and so much more. Our three hosts are Ruth Harris, Maggie Butterfield, and Gretchen Peters. They can't wait to connect with you and share their hearts. Listen to The Artichoke Heart Wednesdays and Sundays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. on Key Radio 89.3 FM. your thoughts, ideas, and skills, maybe even a talent, on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3 The Key. Welcome back. Uh, 9.09 is our time, hour number two of the Daily Show here on Key Radio. Getting ready for a, uh, a nice weekend. I heard uh, Chris Schneider mention the fact that there is no football this weekend. Well, I think most of us will probably get through. We've had our fill of football. Now it's time for NASCAR. The uh, Daytona 500 will be on Fox on Sunday. I believe uh, the race starts at around uh, 1.30 Central, something like that. Plenty of pre-race activities, I'm sure, but I'm looking forward to it. The sport that puts its uh, Super Bowl of sorts first, the very first race, the Daytona 500, but uh, then... You get to ride that wave all season long. You can walk around and, you know, I'm the Daytona 500 winner. So there you go. 44 degrees expected high today. Low tonight of around 25. Right now we are sitting pretty at 21 degrees. Looking for a high tomorrow of 43. 63 on Sunday. 69 the expected high on Monday. So if you don't like what's going on today, hey, just wait a few days and everything will be great. But then we kind of get back into that uh, same pattern, that same routine on Tuesday, looking for some uh, showers, mainly in the morning, a high of 53, a low of 18. Snow possible on Wednesday afternoon, evening, high of 30, low of 20. 
And then 28, the expected high on Thursday with a low of 15, partly cloudy, and 30 the high on Friday of next week with a low of 9 above. And as far as uh, snowfall right now, we're looking somewhere in the neighborhood of about 1 to 3 inches. 1 to 3 inches of snow is what they're predicting for this next round. After this uh, all melts off here in the next couple of days, we can expect possibly 1 to 3 inches of snow sometime Wednesday and into Thursday. 9-11 is our time, 21 degrees. What's uh, happening out there at Bagnell Dam? Well, I can tell you the current lake level is 656.2 and the river level at 565.77. And that's uh, that's all the information you're going to get out of me for right now anyway. We are going to bring our good friend Mr. Dave Moppin into the fray and uh, talk a little bit about what's been uh, shaken over there at the Camden County Commission meetings. Of course, he handles uh, all of that business and keeps you updated, keeps you informed, keeps you posted on what's new and exciting with his uh, blog, Among the Dogwoods. Dave, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. Um, wanted to let folks know that we uh, completed our judging duties on Saturday there at the School of uh, the Osage right. for the big speech competition. Camdenton uh, took home the crown. But uh, yeah. I, met a, I met a lot of interesting uh, young people with uh, some interesting ideas and uh, uh, very, very, very talented young people that were a part of this uh, competition. I mean, they came from all over the state to to, to be a part of this here at uh, the Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, I saw one, one van was from Nevada. I mean, so there were people, there were kids coming from quite a ways away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. So basically, yeah, we had mentioned last time that I'd suckered these guys into uh, judging the competition with me because I had to get a certain number of I had to get a certain number of judges because there's something to do like my kids getting graded based on how many judges I can recruit. Um, it seems kind of unfair for people who maybe have moved out here <laughs> don't know a lot of people. Right. But uh, but I was everybody was nice enough to help me out and do it. Uh, Bill showed up and they told him they didn't need him. So, and he was probably the least enthusiastic <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so that, was, that, that might have been for the best. Uh, he seemed very happy to be sent home. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but it, yeah, we did it. I, uh, hey, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, but, uh, but, but he drove all that way. And you would think that uh, he would have been a little upset about the whole affair. And he said, no, nope, I've got stuff to do. I've got furniture or something like that that he had to move today or, or on that particular day. So, yeah, he, it's kind of like yeah, it, it's kind of for him. It was kind of like getting out of jury duty. Exactly. Yeah, he looked very, exactly. It looked like he'd just gotten there and been excused, right? So right. he was fine. He didn't just have a problem with it. And then, so the way it worked is we had shifts that we were we had blocks, like three blocks, uh-huh. just for the listeners. And uh, then there's a bunch of different categories. So you basically get assigned. And my whole thing was I wanted to make sure uh, KB got at least the radio speaking category because I figured that would be the a good one for him to judge. Right. I started off with poetry, and uh, Matt also had poetry, and man, it was depressing. <laughs> like, these kids, I don't think, their instructors must have told them, you need to find the most depressing poems so you can just pour all this emotion out. And after we met in the hallway afterwards, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do another round of this. There, was, uh, there, there were some interesting subjects, because I kind of had the... Uh, uh, the, I, I guess it was dramatic speaking or something like that was my first one. And uh, let's see, they talked uh, domestic abuse. 
uh, domestic violence, uh, rape uh, was one of the uh, other topics. And then there was apparently a disease that uh, the the, uh, the young girl that was, was doing the presentation was supposed to be speaking from the mother's point of view about a child that uh, was born but couldn't remember people for some strange reason. I, I, there's a, a name of this particular, I guess it's a disease, uh, malady that the uh, the child had, and the child just couldn't remember people from looking at them. You know what I mean? And, and so they developed a uh, method so that the child would remember who her parents were, and they did it through a song. You know, they, every time that the... Uh, the child was confused. They would sing this song to the child, and then the child would remember who uh, the parents were based on the song. And it's yeah. like, you're absolutely right. I mean, they got into some pretty deep stuff, and it was like, why in the world is, is, is this direction you're going? And uh, so uh, what I was able to gather from that... Right. I was just going to say... After what, the fifth or sixth one, it started to get a little over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. But... Um, I felt I felt bad on the poetry because the first one that the, the first one that, that went the gal got up there and she did a, her thing and you know she didn't really um, I get the poetry is kind of a, a flexible as far as what can be defined as poetry but mm-hmm. you know the idea is that poetry is supposed to have some kind of I, I think I, I heard a quote this this week that says poetry is not a word list poetry poetry is a choreography okay. you know so there's it doesn't have to rhyme, and I get all that, but it, there's supposed to be some cadence or pattern. Or So the first gal who got up there just kind of went on this long spiel about uh, something. And so when she's getting up, you know, I was a new judge, so I said, this is the poetry section, right? <laughs> and I think she was thinking, like, <laughs> yes. And I know she's thinking, oh, I'm screwed on this <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good read. Well, I mean, for me, it was an honest question. I'm like, I'm like, am I in the right room? Yeah, <laughs> it didn't sound like poetry. Right. Well, I, I and I will say that uh, we did that, and then I did uh, what is it? Uh, Exer. I, I always get uh, ex, uh, extemporaneous. Extemporaneous speaking, yeah. which is basically where they were given. They, they had to pull a, uh, a slip out of a hat or something, and then talk about the topic. And the first uh, yeah, crazy. first kid that came in, he had to talk about uh, Chile and the leader of the country and if the guy had been uh, a successful leader and what he had to do in order to retain his uh, his seat as the leader of Chile. And, and I'm thinking, what? Where in the world did they come up with some of this stuff? And there was some COVID stuff and things like that. But then finally, I got into the zone, if you want to call it that, because I got to judge the finals as far as radio is concerned. And these kids were coming in with these five-minute prep, uh, prepared uh, scripts for, for radio. They did like uh, they had interesting call letters and interesting imaging and things like that. The one kid that really got me was, uh, I, I think he said, "It's uh, we're, we're lawful but not awful is, is one of the phrases that he used to uh, to describe and position his radio station and i said oh, can, can i borrow that and i said lawful but not awful that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool I, I like that yeah i thought that would be a good one for you so i thought that'd be interesting yeah uh luckily i wrapped it up with the humor final so that yeah. was nice you know yeah. it wasn't like it was all gloom and doom the entire time right uh but, but yeah i thought the kids were fantastic it was really great to see kids 
looking good, getting dressed up, taking it seriously. You can see them rehearsing out in the hallways. Uh, they obviously had put a lot of work into the performances that they did. So I was very, I left pretty impressed about, uh, you know, how much effort they had put into it. Absolutely, sir. It, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I certainly enjoyed it. It was not, you know, we were kind of joking about what it was going to be like prior to the competition, but uh, it was really, it was fun, and it was nice to uh, see these kids uh, tackling the topics that they were, were taking on. Speaking of tackling various topics, you were uh, at the most recent Camden County Commission meeting. I've got your uh, blog up right here in front of me. And oh, yeah. uh, you, you said it was uh, a bit of a struggle for you at this uh, particular meeting. Yeah, you know, it's it's you know the the life of a political blogger. It's it's not all all honey and roses. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. there's 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 just I know people think it's a it's a very uh, uh, luxurious life full of meeting celebrities and you know all that stuff. But no, there's sometimes where it's really really tedious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so this was the uh, the big thing happening at this meeting was going to be the, basically the opening of the road and bridge spring bids. Now I didn't know what that was, so I came in kind of you know un, unsuspecting that this was. I didn't suspect that this was going to be such a a brutal meeting. But yeah, it kind of led off where we had the Willow Creek Bridge a bit. So that's basically, I guess, repair work that needs to be done on Willow Creek Bridge. Uh, it was pretty straightforward. There were five bids. Uh, they ranged from 578000 to as low as 295000 mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see where that ends up. I think the engineer estimate on it, I think they said it was like three forty, three hundred forty thousand. Mm-hmm. 340000 So we'll see where that settles. So they just open them, and basically then uh, Road and Bridge and the engineer will review the bids, and then they'll come back next week. It was tabled, and so then they'll kind of say, okay, here's the one we want to take. Uh, second item was sheriff's bid for body armor and uniforms. So uh, the chief deputy was there. Uh, Sheriff Helms wasn't there. So basically they had uh, one bid for body armor and no bids for uniforms, which is really surprising because I know there's like some huge companies that bid out for uniforms. So I right. don't know why they wouldn't uh, have a bid for that or at least a couple bids. But the chief deputy did mention something that they were trying to get a bid from a, somebody called Leon's in St. Louis. But... They weren't able to FedEx it to the courthouse in time, and so that makes me think maybe they just were a little bit behind the ball on uh, getting those bids. You know, maybe they didn't get them in time. So no bid for uniforms, which I think means they can just go buy the uniforms. Um, Though, again, like if there's no bids because you didn't ask for bids in time, that doesn't seem like that's really in tune with the the financial policy, the fiscal policy Mm -hmm. for the county. the, the single bid for the body armor was $1,681 from Public Safety Outfitters. So basically the commissioners approved that. So I don't know how many vests that is. Maybe that's two vests, three vests, who knows. Not so, many. Uh, but that got approved. Yeah, right. So I, I don't know if these are for new hires. That would be a great sign because, uh, you know, when they talked about uh, getting the, the sales tax hike uh, last year, uh, when they got another quarter cent sales tax hike for the LEST2 tax, they were saying, Sheriff was saying they were going to hire 10 new deputies. And that was going to cost them somewhere, I think, in the neighborhood around $760,000 for training and equipment, uniforms, all that stuff, cars. And, like, I'm not hearing a lot about, like, the hiring. So um, my hope is that this money is, is an indication that they are hiring new young deputies because that was kind of the whole point. You know, they're supposed to bring on 10, 10 new bodies for patrol. So 
So we'll see. Uh, probably I need to call over there or email somebody and go ask. But, <laughs> right. You know, that's how I have to find everything else up. Uh, the, uh, the, yeah, so the, the, the body armor thing was approved. We also had January tax abatements. Uh, they were approved. Uh, Emergency Management Authority, uh, Sam was there as the director. And so she basically had a company that she wanted them to approve called HyperReach. Uh, she talked about Code Red last meeting, but she basically said she decided they didn't want to do Code Red because they could only do like, they would only do emergency notifications, uh, not stuff like maybe if you need to boil water or stuff like that. Or, you know, so they wanted one that was a mass notification system that was more flexible. Right. So they went with, uh, she wanted to go with HyperReach. And, you know, it's, it's a, I think their costs were about the same. So the only issue is that they're, they're trying to make sure they can port all the numbers over from the old system, notification system, to this system. And I guess their Nixle, which is what we used to use, is giving some, them some trouble about transferring those numbers over. Um, she'll figure it out. I mean, Sam pretty much knows this stuff in and out, so I'm not too worried about it. Right on. Uh, yeah, and so then they said, uh, okay, buy it. So that's what we're doing. We're going to get hyper-reach. And uh, they are going to try to make sure there's some overlap because, you know, tornado season is coming. So they wanted to make sure that they were concerned that the commission was concerned that we weren't going to have a, a gap and we're, we couldn't do a mass notification for a tornado, but she's got it covered. So we're in good hands. And then uh, road and bridge spring bids. So this is, like, really bad. Um, at this point, Nathan had been in the meeting, Nathan mm-hmm. Rennie, and Nathan got up and was like, I'm out of here. I can't take it anymore. So he left. And, uh, and so it did. I mentioned in the blog, it did occur to me that, like, maybe that's what the commission had to do all along if they wanted Nathan to stop coming to commission meetings. Right. They just needed to spend, like, an hour opening up bids for fuel and tires and filters, <laughs> dozer blades. So... Uh, you know, instead they decided to ban him and then do a search warrant on his Facebook account and do a criminal investigation for trespassing while voting, uh, all that stuff. And uh, they could have saved themselves a lot of trouble by just, I don't know, opening a bunch of bids. Right. You can't, you can't take it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he left. So then I, I was all out of stuck there, all by myself. Uh, Lydia Porter was over there, dude, but I think she was on her phone. Right. I think I was the only person. <laughs> <laughs> it was the auditor and I, and we were the only ones trying to write everything down that everybody was going through. Because you know we're trying to catch the names, and uh, you know it's hard to hear sometimes. So they'd be like liquid asphalt, and I'm like, the auditor looks at me like, they said asphalt, right? I'm like, yeah, they said asphalt. <laughs> it was asphalt. They're like Ennis Flint. He's like E N. We're trying to make sure we get the spellings right. Right. So, uh, so they went through a ton, and basically the way these work is, uh, these are bids, and uh, you know they're, they're they're basically a list of prices for a variety of items. So a lot of times the county won't necessarily just sign up for one, because for example, if it's tires, uh, one size tire might be cheaper at this company, and another size tire might be cheaper at the other company. So it's not unusual for them to sign up for multiple contracts on these. And, it, you know, it's kind of like they can shop, like, for if they're looking for roadway signs or tires or plow blades or whatever. Um, with all these, they're going to have to go through road and bridge and figure out how much of this would we need, so which of these contracts is going to be the better contract. There's just no way they could decide opening them right there right. Uh, that they're going to go ahead with it. So that's, almost everything got tabled. And uh, that was pretty much it. Yeah. That was uh, We went through, there were probably about, Gosh, they must have opened up like forty bids, thirty or forty bids, probably. 
So I'm going through your <clears throat> through your blog right now, and that's essentially the way it looks. Uh, roadway signs, traffic cones and barricades, ready mix concrete, tires, rental equipment, uh, liquid asphalt, asphalt and concrete. That's asphalt. That's asphalt. That's right. You said asphalt. I said asphalt. Liquid <laughs> asphalt. Asphalt and concrete, uh, grater and plow bl- uh, blades, uh, road paint and glass beads, surveying and engineering, oil and uh, fluids, it says here, batteries, filters, uh, corrugated plastic pipe, corrugated metal pipe, quarry rock, sand, and gravel, diesel fuel, and gasoline. So, yeah, you had quite a number of bids uh, that they were dealing with here. I, yeah. I, I'm looking back at the uh, surveying and engineering, and I, don't, I didn't see uh, uh, the presiding commissioner's company in there, so that's probably smart. Yeah, I think that's a good idea to not have them on there. Uh, yeah, the engineer, the engineer, one of the engineers on there, I think it's how he's actually their current engineer. So I guess he's going, he's bidding again for their services. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's a lot. So I mean, it's, sometimes you might be like, well, why does Dave sit there? And people might say, why is Dave writing down all this stuff? Right. Um, but you just never know when something comes up, like say two weeks from now, they accept a bid. And I'm like, wait a second, that wasn't one of the bids. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. You know? You might get like Hasty and Williams Concrete Supply Corps. And then you're like, wait a second. I don't think that was. <laughs> yeah, that's a, probably one that you want, would, 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 would want to look into just a little bit more so. And, and, and I guess it, it, it just goes to uh, prove the point that not every commission meeting is a knockdown drag out where all, you know, all the citizens show up with uh, pitchforks and torches and, and uh, feathers and tar. It's uh, Some of these things yeah. can just be a little bit more laid-back approaches to how they go about it because there is regular business that needs to be conducted uh, at various times throughout the course of the year. So you don't always have the, uh, the uh, drama that uh, can sometimes take place at... Uh, at these Camden County Commission meetings. So pretty cut and dry is, is what you're telling us there. Do you have uh, any yeah. good stories you can share with us uh, on the backside of this 9 o'clock hour that, made, that uh, you got a good, uh, a, a good police story maybe for us? I've got, I've got some good stuff. Also, I went to the Camden County Republican Club meeting, so I can talk about that. There were Camden County school board members were there. So Absolutely. They, we can talk about that. Then. All right. Well, we're uh, getting down to the wire here where we are going to just uh, step aside for a moment and uh, get you some information, and we'll bring Dave Maupin back in uh, the second half of this uh, 9 o'clock hour. We've got uh, Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source here at the Lake of the Ozarks, and Chris Schneider with Lake TV and a check of sports. It's all coming up right here on The Daily Show on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, February 18th. Good news for Missouri students. The Department of Natural Resources is hosting a poster contest for fifth graders with a grand prize of $300. The poster celebrates Drinking Water Week with a theme of There When You Need It, about water resources that are important but often taken advantage of. Contest entries must be postmarked or submitted electronically by April 1st, 2022. For more 
information, call 573-526-1837 or visit dnr.mo.gov. Watch out for your dogs and keep your cats indoors because it's coyote breeding season. Breeding season for coyotes begins in February, which makes them more active this time of year. Coyotes have also been known on occasion to attack small dogs. To keep coyotes away, keep trash and pet food out of reach, make loud noises when you see a coyote, and be careful with your pets. The Lake Pub Crawl, a.k.a. the Mardi Gras Pub Crawl, is bringing four days of fun to Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. Starting this Friday, February 18th, and going through Monday, February 21st, the Mardi Gras party doesn't stop. This year will include four host parties at Dog Days, Encore, Tire Biters, and Foxy Roxies. However, transportation will not be included at this year's pub crawl, according to the Lake Area Chamber. So get out, be safe, and have fun at this year's Mardi Gras pub crawl. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. For more Lake Expo news, go to lakeexpo.com for events, boating, and the lake life. Lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key & Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and fobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key & Lock serving the entire lake area. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Hockey play last night saw the Blues lose in Montreal. It was game two of their Canadian road trip. They've split the first two so far. They won at Ottawa earlier in the week, losing in Montreal last night. They'll be in Toronto tomorrow. The Blues, pretty good this year. Look like a surefire playoff team. College hoops, Mizzou Tigers back in action tonight on the road in SEC play. They take on Mississippi State. Tigers are 10-15. and 15. They lost at home to Arkansas earlier in the week. MSU Bears having a great season. They're already a 20-win team. They're 20-8. They don't play until Sunday when they're at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, one of the three teams fighting for the Valley uh, Conference lead along with the MSU Bears and Loyola Chicago. High school hoops, plenty of action on the way tonight. Versailles will be at home against Eldon tonight. That ought to be a good one. Osage on the road against Blair Oaks. Blair Oaks, one of the better teams in the state. Camdenton will be at home against West Plains tonight. No football this weekend. I know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be sad. Believe it or not, the odds makers have already come out and uh, listed the Chiefs and the Bills as the teams to beat next year. Uh, they give the Chiefs and the Bills the best odds to get to the Super Bowl next season already, believe it or not. 
Hey, KB's on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every day. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. And don't forget Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Our underwriters are who makes the programming possible on Key Radio. And thank you to Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about the history of Victoria Station and how you might have to just use your nose with some of the unique products they offer at Victoria Station. The Victoria Station has been around for 37 years now. We're a family-owned business. We've been in our location for 27. We're veteran-owned, family-run. We carry lots of different product categories from greeting cards to home fragrances, uh, lamps, potpourri. There are certain products that you have to smell. Those home fragrance things, the candles, the potpourri lines, the fragrance oils. That Yeah, you need to smell it to see if that's what you want your own home to smell like. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit. And the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 930 to 530. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress, and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos. Know how to create a healthy media diet for your family and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio, 89.3 FM. This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. Right back here on The Daily Show at uh, 936, 24 degrees now here in Camdenton, plenty of sunshine. We've got about another 20 to go before we hit the afternoon high. 44 is the expected afternoon high. And then we'll uh, drop down overnight to a, a low of 25 degrees, back up to 43 for the high tomorrow, plenty of sunshine. Sunny and 63 on Sunday, looks like a few clouds, and 69 the expected high on uh, Monday, 53 with some uh, showers in the morning on Tuesday, and then some snow. It looks like uh, possibly one to three inches of accumulation is what they're talking about on Wednesday and into Thursday with a high Wednesday of around, it looks like uh, 30 degrees, 28 the expected high next Thursday, Friday's high of 30, and a low of nine above with a partly cloudy sky. So we are anticipating yet another round of winter weather. We were uh, kind of sitting pretty there for a while. It wasn't really <clears throat> much to worry about as far as uh, the month of January. Then we get into February, and uh, yes, it all culminates and comes together and leaves us with uh, a little bit of the white stuff. Had some ice and snow, of course, move through the region yesterday. 656.2 is the current lake level at Bagdell Dam. 565.77 is... The river level, and yes, they are lowering the lake level so that uh, we can be prepared for, as we anticipate, uh, you know, some rain and things like that to occur in the uh, the spring months. We've got plenty of room, and we don't have any issues with flooding. So the uh, discharge levels uh, have been relatively high for uh, most of the uh, the day, starting at midnight. 
29,000, 37,000, 37,000, 37,000, 36,000, and that is our friend, Mr. Dave Maupin, who uh, is the author of the blog, Among the Dogwoods. We talked about what was uh, going on there, Dave, with the Camden County Commission meetings. And uh, then you said, of course, that you had some time to uh, attend a Camden County Republican Club meeting. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the Camden County Republican Club is a, is basically, you know, it's I think the name speaks for itself. It's a... Uh, and they generally have meetings, I get maybe once every month or maybe once every two months, something like that. Right. And it's actually a pretty good place to go if you want to meet uh, your own, your elected officials. Like at this particular meeting, there were probably maybe about 80 people there. You know, it was a slightly larger crowd than normal, maybe even 90. And uh, But there were probably 30 of those people were either running for office or elected officials. You know, the auditor was there, the collector was there, the treasurer was there, commissioners were there. Uh, there were three candidates who were running for commission there. Uh, Heather Miller, uh, a judge, was there because she's facing her first election. So she started actually coming out to events now. Um, and two candidates were running for judge. Uh, Ryan Bridges and Fozzie uh, Simon were there. Um, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a kind of an interesting place where you can just, uh, during the break, before or after, you can just walk right up to a, a candidate or an elected official and talk to them. If you have an issue or anything like that, or you're just curious and want to meet them, it's it's you know it's a great opportunity. And in the beginning, less usually less the president usually has uh, them all stand up, so they let they tell you basically who everyone is. So you can be like, okay, I don't know, I know who that person is or what who what they look like. So I think it's good. So at this particular meeting, first of all, lest again, I always he always drives me crazy. Talks too long. Uh, I talked for like 39 minutes. I timed him. Because so, <laughs> I had someplace I had to be afterwards, so I was like, come on, Les, you're killing me. Let's, let's just get to the... Everyone was there to hear from the school board candidates. Right. But Les wanted to tell everybody about his trip to Jeff City. We went to watch the uh, the state senate or the state assembly, and it's just... It's, oh, it's my own pet peeve, probably. Maybe some people love it. I like Les as a person, but yeah, he talks too much. Um, okay, as we say, Les... With less, less is more. Okay, so uh, I knew that. I, so don't ask four, me how I, I knew that was was coming, but I knew that was coming. <laughs> I think, in fact, I think I've said it before. Okay, so uh, so there were four candidates for Camden School Board, and uh, well, this isn't generally something that I write about because I tend to write about things that are more have an impact on me. So I write about school the Osage, um, but I do live in Camden County. But for this, you know, I, I think it's interesting, and I I I was at the Republican Club meeting, so. They basically had four candidates. There's two spots on the Candidate School Board, and so they were basically going to to make four have four questions that they were going to then have each of them have an opportunity to answer. So they had mics, so they basically they'd ask Les would ask a question, and then each of them would answer, and then Les would ask a second question, and starting with the second person, they would each answer, and then third question, third person, so on. So. Uh, the first person that was there was Eric Walters, and I didn't—I hadn't seen him before. I didn't really know who he was, but I guess he's a current member. Uh, he's currently on the board, and so his answers generally were along the lines of he wants to do, basically trust the teachers. Uh, they're the experts, you know, like the administrators and the teachers. They have the experience, so yeah, I get the feeling like most of his stuff was like, you know, I'm just I'm there to support them and. 
So it definitely it was more of a just trust them. They know what they're doing type of thing, right? Uh, which I don't think is as popular right now uh, as an opinion among parents and school boards. I think if a lot of school boards were leaning more towards, you know, we want to ask a lot of questions and we, we want to verify. And uh, Matt Burns, when his time came, basically like, basically said along those lines, he said, you know, yeah, we can trust them, but we need to verify what's going on. Um, and so I think, but I, I will give Walter's credit for being honest about where his position is, even though it might not be the most popular position currently uh, with the current climate with school boards. So he was basically trusting the administration and trusting teachers. And, uh, so I'd say he's more towards the, the not making waves type uh-huh. of uh, candidate. Uh, Matt Burns was, was pretty forceful about his opinions. He, he definitely came out. Uh, there was question about the Missouri uh, School Board Association and the, uh, the National School Board Association. And basically he, he was the only candidate who really knew that there were alternatives to being part of the MSBA. That where, where Walters was like the MSBA offers us a lot of great things like training and, and attorneys and stuff like that, like legal support. Uh, Matt pointed out that there were actually alternate groups that you could, uh, that the school board could be part of that weren't, don't have the political baggage that the MSBA has, you know, that it's a pretty liberal organization or any of that stuff. They're basically more non-political groups that, that you can get those services from. So that was good. Um, Jacob, I think it's Nushi, Nush, Nushi. Nushi He's another candidate. Right, yes, right. Um, yeah, so he was, I, I believe he was on the planning and zoning board previously. Uh, he might have even been president of the planning and zoning board. And so he's he's basically running. He's uh, he's the youngest of the candidates. He's He's got a background in finance. I think he's a vice president of the Bank of Sullivan. And so, you know, he's kind of an accountant type guy. He's interested in the fiscal stuff. Um, the one thing I didn't like, and he should have, he should probably avoid saying, is you know I, I don't know if he intentionally meant to say it, but at some point he was talking about the schools. And he basically said, you know, the, the schools they raise our kids, and I'm like, no, 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 man, no, they don't raise our kids. No. Big person, like I didn't jump up and say, no, that's wrong. But I was thinking to myself, like that's a trigger thing for me. Like the schools not there to raise my kids. The schools are to teach the kids. I raise the kids. You know that's. I think there's sometimes this, this mistake that people make where they fall into this idea that the teachers in the schools are raising our children, and that's a, that's a, a trap I think for us sometimes because I'm I'm fine. That's my lane. Yeah. <laughs> so I, don't need, I don't need teachers at the school raising my children. But so the, but again, he might have just inadvertently said it because yeah, it's it's stressful being up there answering questions, and there were times where you could tell the candidates were having a little bit of trouble with the question. They would. Uh, repeat the question. You need to do the whole trick where you're like, so what would I do? Because <laughs> right, trying right. to think about what you want to say. Uh, so the other guy that I hadn't met before was John, is it Seward or Seward? Seward, the, the I believe. Army general? Okay. Yeah, so he came across really well. Um, I think uh, he's, you know, he's got 13, apparently he has 13 grandchildren in the school system, wow. in the school system. So, Two and, and I think he has three daughters, and I got the impression that all three are teachers and some teach some sort of uh, subject within the system. So uh, he seemed very sincere uh, when it came up for the MSBA question. Uh, he, he answered honestly that he wasn't sure about all the, the the issues attached to that as far as accreditation or anything like that that might be a consequence. So he said, you know, that's on me. I'll do my research, and I'll, I'll try to find a better answer for that, which I respected. I think rather than trying to, you know, hem and haw and try to come up with a, a 
an answer that you're making up on the fly, it, it's good to just say, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'll find out, though. And so uh, I thought he made a good impression. And he, he also mentioned, too, like, uh, the big thing, obviously, everybody thought that, you know, it was about the children. It was very friendly, collegial atmosphere. There was no, uh, they weren't attacking each other. Right. They were complimentary about each other, the group. Um, and he, he mentioned something that I thought was good, where he basically, during the COVID restrictions, you know, he had all his grandkids sitting at the table. He's basically describing it. You know, I've got like 10 kids at this dining room table, and they're all supposedly doing their, their schoolwork. And he said he talked to one of his grandchildren, and he said, well, what are you supposed to be doing right now? And he goes, oh, I'm supposed to read for 45 minutes. And he says, oh, okay, like 45 minutes a day? And the kid goes, no, 45 minutes a week. <laughs> he, goes, that was, he goes, that was his entire education that was going on. So, so he raised some issues, and a bunch of them raised some issues where they're basically saying, you know, the, the COVID period got our kids behind. Uh-huh. You know, they're, sure they're behind, and we really have to put a lot of resources into catching them up now and getting them back back up on track. And, you know, when you go through the history, Walters was one of the ones who still wanted kids masked. Uh, when you look back, you know, there were some contentious votes and four to three votes. But in, 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 he also brought up, he said, four to three votes aren't bad. Uh, you know, it means just that we're discussing things and we're, you know, you should hear both sides. That's kind of similar to what we're dealing with at School of the Osage. You know, mm-hmm. we have a school board that hasn't had a, Four to three vote probably in decades. So, but yeah, so I thought it was good. I thought uh, it was nice to see Seward. I'm always nervous because I was an army officer, and like my experience with the army is that everyone, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ohio in the army, is completely crazy. So, the <laughs> 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 general, I was like, oh, geez, what's this going to be like? But uh, he, I mean, he's, he's been out here for a while. So, it's funny how people still think. Oh, well, he's new, but I, I want to say he's been out here for like 13 years or mm-hmm. something. So, of course, here, unless, unless you've got two generations that have died in this county, you're not from here. So. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was basically it. it was, I also had some people come up and compliment us about the radio show. Awesome. Uh, a couple people came up and said they really enjoyed it, and so uh, that was nice. Uh, oh, and the other big news. I don't, I don't know if you've heard this one, but Josh Hawley supporting Vicki Hartzler. Yeah, I did, I did hear that, and I about fell over when I heard it. I happened to be, where was I when I heard that uh, announcement? I think it was early, uh, earlier in the week in the morning. I was sitting, uh, sitting there doing uh, some things to prepare for the show, and I heard the uh, newscaster say that, uh, yeah, Hawley is uh, endorsing uh, Vicky Hartzler. Well, and, and, and I guess maybe that's easy to do because uh, the two of them are uh, basically in the same spot. They're both up there in Washington, D.C., so I would imagine that the communication between the two of them is uh, relatively frequent. Uh, she can probably uh, talk to him whenever she uh, gets an opportunity, as more so than, than some of the other candidates like uh, uh, Eric Schmidt or Mark McCloskey or some of the others, um, but yeah, I, I just I found that that's a good point. I, I, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't I had, that actually hadn't occurred to me that they, she might just they might have more access to each other because yeah. they're both in DC basically. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Yeah, I think but that was probably a bad day in the Schmidt household when that announcement came out. I think he probably drove out to the liquor store and got himself a bottle of bourbon and came home after that that announcement. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what sort of shocked me. 
Yeah, I, I would. I was just a little taken back by that. I think a lot of people were, um, as far as you know, Josh Hawley giving his blessing to uh, Vicky Hartzler, of all people. But uh, like I said, they they probably have a little bit more access to one another. Uh, he talks to her, and she talks to him, and so on and so forth. But yeah, that was kind of a uh, I don't know that threw a lot of people for. Uh, a loop when uh, when that information uh, made it out and, and and a lot of people were kind of wondering because uh, quite frankly I don't think that Vicky Hartzler is really you know uh, in terms of uh, chances uh, to win I, I I really don't see her as as, as the front runner there uh, certainly Eric Greitens who is I, I don't even know what this guy's all about at this point I mean he has just been so yeah. in the weeds and 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 and, and, and you know, under the radar, he hasn't really come out, and we haven't really heard a yeah, whole do lot. Do we have proof him. of life on that guy? Do we have proof of life for him? Is he around still? Uh, yeah, still exists. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> he might have just—they uh, might have just forgotten to take his name off the off the list or something. If, if, <laughs> if, if he's if he's even really a, a serious candidate any longer. And I think the the real issue here, Dave, is the fact that. You know, his past is, is something that the Democrats and the left is, is just going to thrive on uh, should, he, oh, yeah. should he get elected, should he get the nod. Um, the real, uh, I guess the real mystery here is, uh, who is who's Donald Trump going to, uh, uh, going to endorse? Uh, who's going to get the blessing from the former president of the United States? We still don't know that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who say, well, you know, I've, I've had contact with Donald Trump. I've worked on his campaign, this, that, the other thing. But he still hasn't uh, really made his, uh, made his uh, thoughts known as to who he is looking at uh, endorsing for uh, uh, U.S. Senate. So I, I think that will be, yeah, I just, uh, that, I, that'll I just, be a big one. I just imagine the reactions from all the other candidates. You know, Eric Schmidt probably sat up in bed and launched four new lawsuits against the federal government immediately dictated off had his wife take notes and wrote off <laughs> dictated off 40 lawsuits right. McCloskey probably fell off of his milking stool on his farm yeah he fell off of his milking stool that's exactly what he did <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got the news I was out on my farm running my cattle cattle operation <laughs> yeah that's exactly what he was doing absolutely he, you know in, in that uh in that shirt that he had that he bought specifically for that ad. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, who knew Ralph Lauren made overalls? I mean, it's nice. It looks good. It's a good look. It is uh, 9.53. Dave Maupin is our guest, the author of Among the Dogwoods, and uh, we're just kind of joking around right now. You said, did you say you had some more uh, had some more stuff for us? We got time I, for I, I actually have... I do have something. Uh, again, KB, I'm an amateur. You're the pro, so you're going to have to. I can't see the signals. You're going to have to let me know when you wrap it up. Right. Uh, but uh, we talked about a little bit about fraud last time, uh, welfare fraud. Right. So continuing our fraud series, I've got a little brief thing I can talk to you about. And this is actually a drug rehab fraud. Ooh. So you would think that you couldn't do this, that you wouldn't be able to. How would you possibly do rehab fraud? Uh-huh. Well, in California, you know, they have Obamacare is really big, and they, their version is called, I think it's called California Care. And so what it does is for drug addicts who want to go to rehab, it will basically pay for the cost of their rehab. 
and all the services and, you know, for when they're in the treatment centers and the, the urine tests and everything that they need for, mm-hmm. to make sure they're not on drugs. So what these people have done is they've, these private people have started companies where they basically run these big rehab centers and they also run the labs that do all the urinalysis results. And the problem that they have is, so they make a lot of money. Right. They'll bill millions of dollars on these uh, drug rehabs. And one of the things that they like is they'll actually, you know, they can make tens of thousands of dollars in profits off, off these addicts. So what they'll do is they'll get them through the rehab. And uh, once they're out of the rehab, the insurance companies will pay for up to three trips to a rehab. So when they're done, what these people will do is they will give the addicts a bunch of money or in some cases even drugs because they want them to relapse. Nice. And so when they, the idea is they know if you have an addict who gets out of rehab and you give them $800 in cash and just let them go, there's a pretty good chance they're going to go use drugs. Right. And so, um, Basically, they, so they make more money off of your analysis results that are positive, so they want their people to, uh, to have, have test positive for drugs because then they have secondary tests, and since they own the labs, they get money. So they're making money on both ends. They're making money for the treatment centers, and they're making money from the, the labs. Wow. So the idea is they, they, they want these people to go through three times, and once they're done with three times, then they, they cut them loose, and they won't let them come through again because mm-hmm. the insurance companies will only cover them for three trips. So the challenge these companies had was uh, they they need more drug addicts. So they were actually going abroad to other states and paying people $8,000 and giving them a plane ticket, flying them into California so they could then check them into a rehab. And so basically they were, they were recruiting them. It's called like uh, like addict farming. You know, basically you're, you're, so we, we were, as law enforcement, we were wondering like, where are these people coming from? Like you're from... Uh, New Jersey, how did you get to California? You're like homeless. Like, how did you ever afford to get here? But these, so these criminals are flying them out to California, checking them into rehabs. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they had hotels in the center of the city where they were warehousing them while they were waiting for beds to open in the rehab facilities. So these hotels were filled with drug addicts who were waiting to get checked into rehabs. Wow. And uh, it, you know, then they would start wandering around and they'd have crime suddenly in this area, which was usually pretty quiet, like mm-hmm. in West L.A., Suddenly you'd have break-ins to cars and people wandering around on the streets. And so we were trying to figure out what was going on. We started to realize that this, this crime was going on. Um, so they'll keep them in the hotels, and once they're ready, they fly them into the state. And once there's a spot that opens up, they get them in there. They have them go through the whole rehab process three times. They then flunk them at the end of every time. They have them use drugs again. Once they're done with them, they just cut them loose. And then they're homeless wandering around in California, like in Los Angeles. They can't afford to get back home, so they're just there. Uh, the other crazy part was for Native American uh, drug addicts, they were like gold for these people because there's certain insurance companies that will never deny a Native American claimant rehab. And so if you got a Native American drug addict, you could run them through the system dozens of times and the insurance company would never refuse to pay for them. Holy smokes. So they would they would actually seek out, they would try to find these Native American, and the other, it's, it's dangerous because when you get out of a rehab and then you start using drugs, especially heroin, you might not be used to how much heroin you can safely use now because right. you've detoxed. That's, that's why you see overdoses for heroin when people get out of rehab because they take too much because they're not used to the fact that their system has adjusted, you know. 
So yeah, these people are basically playing the games with people's lives for profit, taking advantage of the rehab system. So recently there's been a bunch of criminal investigations and criminal filings sure. on this stuff. But I just thought it was interesting. People might not know about it, but if you Google it, like rehab fraud or drug rehab fraud, you can read a lot about it. It was just starting to become a big thing before I left Los Angeles. Unbelievable. I mean, that is just off the charts. And, and uh, for how long was this going on before they really kind of caught on to it? It was probably going on for, you know, it's basically when the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare kicked in, and they basically started offering these services to people who were, like don't have a lot of money. Um, and it just goes to show that even programs that, are, are, that mean well can be twisted, and if there's no checks and balances and no uh, investigation into wow. abuse, yeah. uh, you know, it can be a problem. That is a problem. It's certainly a problem. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us, Dave, and thanks for hanging out with us uh, for the last hour, as always, and we'll catch up with you again next Friday. Dave Maupin, the author of Among the Dogwoods, right here on uh, The Daily Show on uh, Key Radio. Have a uh, great weekend, my friend. Appreciate it, uh, as always, and we'll uh, look forward to getting you back here. My pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for reading. Absolutely. Stay on top of what's going on with the uh, Camden County Commission meetings. And uh, definitely uh, Dave Moppin, who we're, we're going to make this guy a star.